channels is a, is a really a relationship business because you got to build trust with your partners. And my whole life, part of that has been going out and spending time with the partners, you know, in, in their office, together with customers, at trade shows, and now we can't do that. So we've got to drive much more engagement, just like direct sellers have to drive that engagement. Um, we have to do that with our partners and we have to help our sales reps drive that engagement. That's another key element of success is if you're a sales rep and you want to be successful with the channel, have that engagement daily with your go-to partners. That's what I've seen. Our sellers who are the most successful year in, year out, who are driving the most revenue in our company, they have three or four go-to partners and they talk to them every day. This is Outside Sales Talk, the best podcast for outside salespeople. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and we're here to chat with the world's top sales experts so that you can get their best sales tactics to level up your game. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, I have Rob Spee with me, and we're going to talk about driving sales with a solid channel strategy. Rob, thanks for joining us. Hey, you're welcome, Steve. Great to be here. So just by way of introduction, uh, Rob Spee is the Regional Vice President of the Americas Channels at OutSystems. He's also the founder and CEO of Channel Journeys, and Rob hosts the Channel Journeys podcast and writes content for numerous channels, channel publications. Um, to, to jump right into the questions, um, Rob, tell me, why is a solid channel strategy so important these days? Well, of course it's important, but Steve, maybe we'll jump back first and say, what do we mean by channels? Because even inside companies, there's a lot of confusion. They don't understand what, what we mean by channels. And people I talk to have no idea what I'm talking about when I say channels. So a channel essentially is any way that you get your product to your end customer. And the typical way that companies start out is they sell direct. They have a direct sales force selling to the customer. That's your direct channel. But when you say channel strategy, most people are referring to that indirect channel. How are you going to get your product indirectly through different channels, different partners, uh, different ways to get it to the end customer. And I've read uh, that 75 to 80% of the world commerce flows indirectly through a channel to get to the end customer. And if, if you think about it, most of the things we buy in, in our daily life, we don't buy directly from the manufacturer. We buy it from some channel. It could be the grocery store, a car dealer, um, Amazon, you know, et cetera. They're just, just about everything goes through the channel these days. And so you need that to have more reach and scale for whatever product you're selling. In most cases, you want to do that through a channel. Well, um, that makes, uh, I guess that, that definition of what a channel is also kind of describes to us why channel strategy is so important these days. If 75, 80% of, of commerce is running through a channel, that's why it's important. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you don't want to miss the boat. Well, and on missing the boat, what what are the characteristics that uh, that an industry might have where where there may be a real opportunity being lost if you don't develop your channel ecosystem? How do you yeah. how do you how do you realize? Oh, we're we're leaving money on the table here. We could be doing this, and this channel would work really well, and and we'd really do a lot better with it. Yeah, I've spent all of my career in the IT industry in the IT channel, but I think in in most situations. If you have a product that maybe it has a complex sale to it, you know, take some explaining to, to, to make a sale 
you could benefit from having a sales channel. If you have a, a product or service that takes some complex delivery to actually for the customer to get the benefit from that product, then you could benefit from a delivery channel of service partners. Even though if you have a, a very simple product that you can sell directly, you still may benefit from a channel. Many times it's like an online marketplace that you can leverage to reach more customers. And if you think about the whole trend of moving to the cloud in IT, everything's being sold as a service today uh, in the consumption model. That's introducing a whole nother suite of types of partners that you want to leverage. So, boy, it's, it's hard. It's probably easier to say, what's, what's a product or service that you wouldn't need a channel for? And of course, I, I can hardly think of one because just about everything does go through the channel. But you do want to think about, Steve, why you're doing it. You know, why do you need that channel? Okay. And, and how do you... How do you approach a new channel and, and you know, how, how do you tell, oh, this channel would really be a great way for me to go to market and I, and I wouldn't lose too much margin and I wouldn't, uh, and, it, and it would allow me to move more product. How do you identify a great channel? Yeah. You know, one of the easiest ways is talk to your customers. And um, there's a great book out there. It's called The Hybrid Sales Channel by Rich Blakeman. And he talks a lot about starting and focusing on the customer and think about how does your customer buy, not how you want to sell. So if you think about how does your customer want to buy and who are, who is he working with and reaching out to, and they can probably tell you some of the, the partners or companies that they work with that are part of their ecosystem. Those could be great potential partners for you that you want to think about having in your network. Okay. So talk to your customers and find out where they're buying from. Where do they like to buy from? Yeah. Who are their, who's providing consulting services for them, for example? Where do they get their advice? Those types of questions. Okay. You could also take a look at your competitors. Sure. See what kind of, see what kind of channels they're using. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what, what are the key elements of a channel strategy? Okay. So one of the first things when you're, when you're defining your channel strategy, you want to know what are the goals? What are you trying to accomplish with your channel? And it might be revenue growth. It might be customer success. It might be market penetration. Typically, you're going to look at what are your overarching corporate goals? And then your channel goals should align to that. So the first thing you got to do is have the goals in your, that, that are part of your channel strategy. And then next you want to define what is that go to market strategy, which goes back to your other question of who are the partners that are going to be involved in that? So what partners are you going to leverage as part of that channel strategy? Who are going to be in your partner ecosystem? And then there are other components of a, ch of a channel strategy. Those are things like what's going to be your partner enablement plan? How are you going to train those partners to sell and, and service your product? What's going to be your partner marketing plan? So you're thinking about how am I going to market to the partners to recruit them in the first place? How am I going to market with them or for them to generate new opportunities? What type of marketing can I expect them to do for me in bringing me new opportunities? Those are all key elements of that channel strategy. And, uh, and what about channel compensation? What, what are some different examples of channels and, uh, and, and what should, as you set these channels up, what should you generally assume you're going to be, um, giving up in terms of margin percentages for, for these different channels? Yeah, it's going to vary a lot depending on the, the product that you're talking about. And there, there are several different motions in the channel that you should be familiar with. So 
one of the very typical channels is the resell channel or distribution channel model. And in that case, you're providing a discount to the reseller or a discount to the distributor uh, who is selling it to the end customer. And it typically goes on their paper. And you know, if you look at distribution discounts, they operate on very thin margins. So they might have you know, a couple percentage points, five percentage points of, of discount. When you get into the resale, in my world, uh, in selling software and hardware, those discounts can be anywhere from five, 10, 20, 30, even up to 40% I've seen in some cases. And sometimes you adjust the discounts depending on what you're trying to accomplish. Like if you say, hey, my normal discount is 20%, but I really wanna provide a bigger incentive for partners to go after this particular market, like the SMB market or a particular customer type, you might give them an even incremental higher discount. So that's one model is that reseller discount. Another model is a backend commission. And this is very typical when you're working with system integrators, consulting firms, that in this case, you're gonna uh, co-sell with them, you're gonna sell it on your paper, but then give them a back-end commission that's a percentage of sales. And again, that back-end uh, percentage can vary just like the resale discount. And the difference with me being that the resale discount is you are selling them product and then it's up to them to resell it and you're just selling it at a discount or do they sometimes um, purchase it after they've already acquired the, the end user and so they're just fulfilling the order through you? It could be either, yeah. And that's a, that's a whole nother story is the fulfillment model of, of passing it through a partner for fulfillment. But typically in reseller distribution, they're going out um, many times finding the customer, um, going through the whole sales process. And then when, the, when they get a PO, they're buying the product from you and reselling it to the end customer. In the, in the fulfillment case, sometimes your own sellers are selling it, but they need that partner to do the final transaction. This happens a lot of cases outside the US where companies, they have to buy through these partners. Um, mm -hmm. But you find it here too, even in the US, like federal government, they might buy off a GSA schedule, for example. And you might find a, find a partner who holds that schedule for you to sell through. And then you know, there are other models too, like if you're selling through a global system integrator, for example, like an Accenture or Deloitte, they typically don't accept the resale discount or the back-end commissions, and you have to have a different model. So you might put together a package, an incentive package that is more like um, business development funds that you give them for hitting certain targets. Interesting. Yeah. And, and, and that's usually paid after they hit those targets or before? Exactly. They yeah. It's typically, typically after they hit the targets. So when you're first starting the relationship, you might make some upfront investments in them. And then there, there are a whole other slew of incentives that you give the channel to try to drive behavior. And th these could be things like MDF market development funds, co-marketing funds, um, and these are based often on a percentage of sales, but that's kind of falling out of favor now, Steve. And what people are shifting to now is more like business plan focused funding. Like show me a business plan, show me a marketing plan, and we'll co-fund with you based on that plan rather than just throwing money out at, at them as a percentage of sales, which oftentimes just drops to the bottom line. That's why it's, it's falling out of favor. It's really hard to regulate um, how they spend that money. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Tell me about the key players. Um, who, who are the key players and what roles do you need to set up a successful channel for your business? Oh, like the key players in my, if, if I'm a vendor mm -hmm. and I want to set up a channel? Yeah, and on, your, on, the, on the company side, the seller yeah. side. Yeah. 
Um, well, you want to have who's going to be your channel leader that that's often called the channel chief. So who's the guy in your company who's building out that strategy, builds that channel strategy, starts building a team, starts executing on it. So you've got the channel chief. Um, typically, when you first get going, he's wearing a lot of different hats. Then he's going to start wanting to hire channel managers. These are partner managers who are going out and recruiting these partners that we're talking about, managing them, helping make sure they get enabled, driving sales through them. They play a, a really big role in that equation. Then you're gonna to wanna to think about partner marketing and having partner marketing folks. And these folks are experts at going out and marketing to and with and for partners. And they generate campaigns that the partners can run with you or, or independently. So those are really key roles. And then when you think about, depending on the product or service, you may have a technical role, like a, a partner technical manager or a partner success manager, who's making sure that that partner is successful in implementing your product uh, with the customer. So th those are some of the key primary roles that you've got to think about having. Okay. And so, it, how do you go about building the partner ecosystem? You mentioned hiring a, a chief partner manager. What else do you, what, what infrastructure changes do you need at your company? What else do you need to go about building this, this ecosystem? And, 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 and how do you find and develop talent like that in the first place? How do you, how do you find a, a great channel manager in your yeah. industry? Well, that's, that's a funny one, Steve, because what I see a lot of companies do is they look internally and they find some guy who was really good at something and they say, hey, I'm gonna tap you to be our channel guy. And he says, what's that? And they say, well, go, go read about it and, and build it. And so he goes off and does it. Or they pick a guy who was failing in sales or whatever and say, hey, you're not doing great, but why don't, we, why don't you try this channel role? That's, that's, either way, I've seen that several times. <laughs> yeah, either way, Steve, it's a disaster because they don't have the track record. They don't have the experience. They don't know what they're doing. And um, for no fault of their own, they end up making some huge mistakes. And I've come into situations, seen firms that have wasted millions of dollars, just money out, thrown out the window, um, hiring or recruiting the wrong partners, having the wrong approach, not having the right uh, setup internally to really handle the channel. You can waste so much money. And if you would just invest up front in the first place, hiring someone with, a, with the right track record and experience to do this, or if you can't afford them at that point, pay for a consultant to come in and help you get this set up and get started. And they can help you run it. But you're gonna save so much money in the long run if you get someone who's done this and knows how to do it, rather than just have someone start up and try it on their own. Mm -hmm. But once you have that in place, then okay, you gotta go out and find these partners. And so there are a variety of ways you, that you can do that. You can go, like if you go to trade shows and conferences where these kinds of partners hang out, um, that's one source. You know, you've talked to your customers, you understand what kind of partners you're going after. Um, you can just, you know, look at your competitors and who they're using and start talking to those firms and just do some marketing campaigns at those firms. You can hire people who have that Rolodex and that's what you get too. When you buy, when you hire experienced channel folks, they know who these partners are. They have relationships with them. Just like when you're hiring a recruiting a sales rep, right? Who's got that Rolodex. Same thing in the channel. They already know these folks. And then there are also some interesting companies that have um, some new uh, analytics driven partner locators that you can use. So that's another way that you can find these. So there's, there's a, quite a few ways that you can go out and find these, these partners and then you know, pitch to them what you offer them 
understand what, how their business is driven and find that, that joint value proposition for how, you know, you plus the partner, one plus one equals three. What's that, what's that combination that you make together? Well, and on that, on, on making one plus one equal three, once you have a, a channel, what are some of the things that you can do to drive success? With the channel? Yeah. Yeah. There, well, there are a number of things that you can do. Um, you know, the, one of the most critical things that you need to do is, is have, number one, the internal alignment inside your company to do that. And, and when you have the full support of your, your board, your CEO, your internal managers, and all get aligned, that's going to make a huge difference for you. You can put the right tools in place, right? It's about, like anything, you talk about people process, technology, right? So it's the same thing, having the right people in place for your team, putting in the right processes for how you're going to operate as a channel. So you, you, you know sales ops, right? So every company has their sales operations. You also need channel ops. So that, add that to the list of people that you need. Um, you need to have that channel ops component too to think about how are you going to manage all the channel operations? Because how do you pay these partners? How do you keep track of them, uh, motivating them, keeping track of their their enablement, their certifications, that type of thing. And then having tools for, for managing all of that as well is super important. Well, and, and what, are the, uh, what are the numbers? What are the KPIs, the, the things that you measure success with? How do you, how do you yardstick success of your, your channel? Yeah, yeah, that's super important. You gotta think about that too. And that goes back to setting the goals for your program. And then what are some of the, the leading and lagging indicators for your channel. And ideally you're gonna have the ability to, to run the reports on that. It could be tied to your, your CRM, your Salesforce or whatever you're using. Um, you're starting to create reports and dashboards for this. And so um, what we typically look at, if you look at some leading indicators, you look at, okay, your, your partners, the, the readiness of your partners, are they sales partners, are they delivery partners? Have they met the, the minimum requirements to be successful? Um, how many leads are they generating for you? Um, that's another good one. What's your partner pipeline? That's a good leading indicator. And then lagging indicators, obviously you're looking at sales. How much sales am I doing through these partners or with these partners? Uh, how much services am I doing with these partners? How many new opportunities are they bringing to us? And that's the other thing, Steve, you gotta be prepared because building a channel takes time and you can't expect these partners to generate revenue overnight. Just like when you hire a rep, a new rep doesn't generate new revenue overnight. So you got to think of them like you think about your own employees, train them like you train your own employees, and then give them the time to be successful and coach them like you would do your own, your own sales team. Well, and, and on your own sales team, are there concerns about your direct sales team competing with the channel? Uh, yes. you, and, and, and furthermore, how do you motivate your own direct sellers to work with the channel in a productive way? Yeah, that's a great question. That, what you're describing is that channel conflict. Mm -hmm. And there are two types of channel conflict. It's the conflict of the partner with your direct sales team, or you can have conflict between partners and different partner types. But to mitigate that conflict with your direct sales team, you got to do a couple things. You've got to educate your sales team on why you have a channel and what value they bring to your sales reps. And some companies like to really segment and have like partners here and, and direct size here and have them operate in totally different swim lanes. 
That's one strategy, but I'm not a big fan of it. I like when they're all working together. That's the hybrid channel sales approach um, that Rich Blakeman talks about in his book. And so to do that, you've got to think about what's the strength of your sales team and what are the strengths of the partners? And those could be um, talents, contacts that they have, capabilities, all of that, and then get them working together. Now, one of the things you have to do to do that is not only educate your reps on how to work with partners, but also how do you compensate your reps? And if your reps compensation is um, reduced by working with a partner, reps are coin operated, right? They're not going to be really keen to work with a partner and take a hit on their, their compensation. So at the very least, when you're starting out building a channel, make your compensation neutral, make it so the comp it's comp neutral to the rep. So he gets paid. If he's doing a hundred K deal, he makes a hundred K whether he sells with or through a partner, um, regardless, you know, so he's not demotivated from working with those partners. Yeah. I've, I've seen big companies that you would assume would make good decisions. Screw that one up before. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and some, it, that's for sure. I've seen a lot of companies do that and it's, you've got, that's where that buy-in comes in. If you don't have your CEO board level buy-in and you're just fighting with the sales leadership or, or the CFO on that, that's, that's, that's going to be a tough battle. Well, and, and, and on that, on, on ways we can screw this up um, and cause internal conflicts, et cetera, what, are the, what would you say are the top causes of, of these initiatives failing? Because from where I stand, they often, they often fail if they're not done right. Yeah, yeah I've, you know, I've, I've held, I don't know, five or six channel chief roles in my career, and I've stepped into fantastic situations, and I've stepped into just, you know, They've done everything wrong. And, and what really blows up your channel strategy, your, your success is um, one is hiring the wrong people, right? Putting the wrong people in place that that can kill it because um, they can just make a lot of mistakes and, and you alienate the channel and, and they have a long memory, right? Now you got to try to recover from that or you alienate your teams and, and they, they're not happy. That's one issue. If you don't have that internal buy-in, that executive level buy-in, that can really damage it. Um, Almost worse though is not having like that line manager buy-in because you, you've got to get the sales managers um, to buy into the strategy and they've got to support it and they got to want their reps to, to support it. But you know, you asked, who do you need on a channel team? Really everybody in the company has to be on the channel team because everybody in the company has to support that strategy, whether it's legal, finance, marketing, HR, everybody's got to be on board and understand. So, a big role of a channel chief is actually you're an evangelist and you're, you're constantly selling the channel and the strategy and educating people on the strategy inside your organization. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. And from a, a deal term perspective, what are the different ways that these channel deals are usually structured, you know, from a referral to a, you know, post-sale commission to resellers and distributors. How, how could you talk a little bit about the structure of the actual deal? And, and yeah. then you mentioned plussing up the actual, your direct sales reps to plussing up the, not giving them the, uh, the net, the net. sale yeah. value after you, you pull the, pull the cost out for, for the channel, but to plus them up. What are some other tricks of that, that deal structure across these different types and strategies of, uh, of building out your, your channel. Yeah, there's, there's some tips and tricks and, and 
also some cautions. Um, there's one thing about resale. You're, you're offering your partner the product at a discount. So you can say, okay, the list price is 100. I'm going to sell it to you, partner, at 70. And then you can mark it up to get your margin, right? But you can't tell the end customer what the end price is. And you can't tell the reseller what price is. You've got to allow the reseller to set the price. Otherwise, it's price fixing. And you can be fined, and companies have been fined millions of dollars for doing that. So you got to be really careful about that. And, but you're right. When you set that price to the, to the reseller, let's say you have a standard 20% discount, then you want to have a markup that gets that rep back to 100% for his compensation, the way that he's comped. When you're doing it on a back-end commission, it's a little bit easier because your, your seller is selling to the end customer at whatever price they negotiate. So they could sell it at list price. They might do a competitive discount to win the business. Whatever price they end up selling to, you pay your partner a commission, a percentage based on that final price. So the partner gets paid on net, right? So that's a little bit easier to manage in terms of that comp neutral concept with the, with the reseller. Another way to do it is kind of totally off the books from sales is when you're compensating via marketing funds, for example. And that typically comes out of the marketing uh, team's budget, that MDF or um, business development funds, those types of things. When, when would that be beneficial to, to take a strategy like that? Um, it can be beneficial in a variety of ways. So I mentioned the, the global system integrators typically mm -hmm. are going to want to have that kind of construct. Um, when you're working with um, either... Why, why, why is that? Why is that beneficial for them? Well, the way that they're structured and the way they compensate their own people, they're not really set up to, to handle that. But also, you think about the GSIs, they many times, and a lot of um, consulting firms, they want to be viewed kind of as that impartial third-party expert to their clients. Mm. And so they feel like if they're taking commissions or discounts on the product, it makes them feel like they're a seller as opposed to a professional advisor. Okay. So it's a little bit about structure and a little bit just about their, their business model of what they, the value that they bring to their clients. And I have seen a, a, a channel partner program fail because of that answer right there. Like a company was trying to, trying to get the big system integrators to be kind of resellers and, and start pushing their product into their customer base. And, they just they were they didn't get traction. They ended up getting traction with like small focused um, system integrators that were like kind of almost started up specifically to resell this company's stuff. Yes, um, and they and they got success there. But I wonder if that's that was the problem with the big system integrators is they wanted to be viewed as impartial. They didn't want to be resellers taking a taking a slice. Probably so. Probably so. And so you get those boutique shops. Many times they're ex consultants of your company. Um, that are selling and many times they're only selling your products. So they're very happy to take a commission or a resale discount. Right. But, but the, the GSIs, they won't take that approach. And it takes a long time to get a battleship like Accenture, you know, really pushing your product. And they will, they'll start recommending it more and more as they gain confidence. But they're, they've got huge contracts with their customers and their reputations on the line. So they're not going to just jump right in immediately. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And I've done that before too with them, um, just with Badgers, like try to have create partnerships and they're, they'll make recommendations, but they, they don't seem to really want to be a partner, I wouldn't say. Yeah, it's kind of a yeah it takes time. They'll get, they'll get stronger and stronger talking about your product as the, the relationship strengthens and they gain more confidence in what you're doing.
Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And how is this different across different industries? I mean, if you're making widgets versus software versus uh, insurance. It, it, I think it does vary. I've, my life's always been in IT, but even in my world, um, I went to an event, it's called Channel Partners, and it's really geared towards the telecom and communications companies. And their channel is a bit different. They work through what they call agents and master agents, which in my world, you think about resellers and distributors. But the agents and master agents, they're really selling a subscription to that telco service or, or communication service. Um, and getting a, oftentimes like that, a, a recurring revenue, recurring commission on that service that they sold to the, to their customer. So that's a, that's a totally different model. Though insurance, you mentioned insurance, insurance has agents. So the, um, I have a buddy who's an insurance agent and I think his model is a lot closer to that telco agent model, you know, cause he sells insurance and then he's getting some recurring revenue as long as you stay a customer. Yeah, and I've, I've, I've run into folks um, who, who are agents that have no base. It's all, it's just pure commission and they're, you know, so it's effectively you eat what you kill. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, the new, the new ways, the, the new channels that are opening up and a lot, of our, a lot of this is moving to this online marketplace. So you think about AWS, Amazon Web Services, they, they, there's the AWS marketplace, which is totally different than the Amazon, you know, marketplace where we go buy our, our clothes and our groceries or whatever. Um, Google, Google has a marketplace. Microsoft Azure has a marketplace. So a lot of people are starting to sell IT services, hardware, software type services, you know, in that consumption model through these marketplaces. And so that has a different structure too. And they sell, they tend to sell in, in just kind of micro pieces. Like you can buy some of the, some of the software as a service, you can buy a minute at a time or an hour at a time. And that's a tough adjustment for a company that's used to, used to sell an annual subscription or an annual license, you know, a big, big sale. Now you got to get at these little tiny chunks. So that's something that everybody's starting to adjust to in the IT world. How would you say uh, COVID has impacted this in your opinion? It's been really interesting in the, in the IT world. Well, first off, we know it depends by industry, right? Some industries uh, are doing really well. Um, you know, most of the, the grocery, um, home improvement, those types of companies. There, there are companies that are doing fantastic and then there are companies that are really hurt, the travel industry, hotels, that type of thing. Same is true in the IT industry. Um, companies like, fortunately ours at OutSystems, um, we, are, we are seen as very strategic to what companies need to do right now in COVID. But there are other um, IT companies that, that aren't seen as strategic and they're, they're being hurt right now, just like in the other industries. Um, but on, on either way, whether you're more successful or less, we've had to shift everything to selling remotely. So, you know, the field reps that you focus on, your, your whole specialty, our field reps are having to become experts at, at being inside sales reps and, and leverage. And I, I watch, you have a great episode that I watched um, recently on, on how to field reps make that migration. And that, that's a really interesting one. So um, from a partner perspective, how do, you, how do you build a partner program and how do you engage your partners and motivate your partners when you can't go see them directly? Channels is, a, is a really a relationship business because you've got to build trust with your partners. 
And my whole life, part of that has been going out and spending time with the partners, you know, in, in their office, together with customers, at trade shows, and now we can't do that. So we've got to drive much more engagement, just like direct sellers have to drive that engagement. Um, we have to do that with our partners and we have to help our sales reps drive that engagement. That's another key element of success is if you're a sales rep and you want to be successful with the channel, have that engagement daily with your go-to partners. That's what I've seen. Our sellers who are the most successful year in, year out, who are driving the most revenue in our company, they have three or four go-to partners and they talk to them every day. That, that's a really key issue. Yeah, I, I used to be very close to the partners that I worked with when I was when I was in sales. Um, yeah. That was, uh, and, that, and I think that was instrumental to my to the success that I had. Uh, you know, they were my friends. They were, we we you know took tri trips to Vegas together. Like yeah. you know, we were we were very close, and we we hung out a lot, and it was uh, it was business and pleasure for sure. And I bet Steve, you you thought of them as your sales team. Yeah, they they were an they were an extension of my sales team. They were they were an, they were an extension of what I was able to do. They and they brought things to the table that we didn't have internally because they could do consulting engagements and actually deploy software products and um, and they could do it very effectively. Yeah, exactly. And every sales rep can have a territory and can have a sales team made up of his go-to partners. And that I see some reps, you know, they try to work with twenty different partners, and you just can't build that relationship with 20 different partners. You're gonna be much more successful if you pick one, two, maybe three that are your really go-to partners that you're gonna do most of your business with. Yeah, and, and for me in that role, my I had probably three and they were broken up by geography. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So I had a go-to for Colorado and a go-to for California and a go-to in Arizona. and then everything else was kind of filling in around the, you know, because filling the, the gaps. Yeah. I think you do with that. Or, or you might, if you're up covering multiple industries, you might have your go-to partner for healthcare, your go-to partner for manufacturing, you know, if they have, and that's what we're looking for more and more Our partners who have that subject matter expertise, mm. right. Who really know the, the lay of the land and, and can talk business. Cause we've, it's all shifting people. Customers aren't buying technology. They're buying business outcomes. And they want you to talk about the business outcome for their industry. Absolutely. Um, well, the next piece is sales in 60 seconds. So some quick questions, quick All answers. Right. Uh, first quick question. What are some don'ts when it comes to building a, a channel strategy? Oh man, there, there are a lot of don'ts. Um, don't be hard to work with. That's a big killer. Um, and what, what does that look like? You could have a partner program that's super complex. Um, you could have processes that are complex that make it really tough. Like I'm a partner. I want to get a quote for your product. I'm a reseller. You know, can I get one quickly? How hard is that? How hard is it for me to get that commission that you promised me on that deal? Right. There's, there are a lot of different ways as you look at your process, you got to make it just super simple. When you, um, I've worked with CDW in the past, big national um, reseller. They talk about calories. If you're a partner, uh, a vendor that's selling through CDW and you take a lot of calories for the rep to, to sell you, he's probably gonna move on to the next one because they've got so many different vendors. They want the low calorie vendors that they can sell really easily, really quickly with. So that's a, that's a really big one um, that I see that can, that can really hurt. Um, 
also going back to that compensation and, and alignment internally, don't set up compensation in your company that competes with your partners. So if the best way to test whether or not you have internal alignment is look at your comp plans. And if the comp plan of your PS team and your sales team and your pre-sales team, if they are counter to the comp plan of your RCM and how you're paying your partners and what you want your partners to accomplish, you're going to have internal conflict and, and really be unsuccessful. And partners are going to see that too. Sure. That happens a lot. Like if you're paying your, refer to, this is a good example, Steve, you may have seen this. You pay your reps not only on selling the product, but also on the services that they can sell, services that are delivered by your company. But you're asking your partners to become service partners and your RCMs are trying to enable your partners. So the sales rep now is competing and the partners are competing with your own internal professional services organization. That's a, that's a big one that I see a lot. Of, a lot. So yeah, you've got to really be thinking. And then a lot of times what happens is you build your channel strategy and then you're building it and all of a sudden the comp plans come out and you're like, oh, crud, the, these comp plans are totally in conflict. So you got you to be working in tandem with the people that are writing the comp plans as you're building out your strategy. And, and then each year as you're doing your business planning. Yeah, that makes sense. And, uh, you know, the first thing I would look into if I were hired as a, uh, as a, a chief channel officer, I would show up day one and I'd sit down with a bunch of the top salespeople at a company and be like, is there, are there any reasons that you wouldn't run and run your next deal? You get a great lead tomorrow and you're running with it. Is there any reason that you wouldn't bring a channel partner in anything yeah. at all? Uh, cause that's kind of where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. It's a great question to ask. Yeah. You'll get a lot of different answers. Yeah. Well, and, and in a lot of play, in a lot of companies will get, Oh no, I, I avoid bringing them in right away because you know, there's a chance that I could sell this and I won't get comped on it if I, you know, so it's, yeah. it's uh, you see those conflicts all the time. Yeah. It was funny. Uh, my last company, we, we changed the compensation. So it was comp neutral for the reps. They didn't believe it. It took us over a year for them to see it happen. Sure. <laughs> Before they'd actually believe us, no, it really is comp neutral. Well, sure, they were told it was a good idea to bring in partners and when, when, it when the comp plan came out, and then they found out it wasn't after they uh, lost a bunch of commission. Yeah, yeah, so it's not it takes shocking. a while to, to gain people's confidence. Yeah, screw someone once, shame on <laughs> whatever that saying is. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> screw me twice. <laughs> <laughs> shame on me. Um, so uh, in, in your opinion, what's the most challenging part of establishing a channel ecosystem? For me, in my experience, the toughest part has been getting that internal alignment. As, as a channel chief, like I said, you're constantly evangelizing and trying to get everyone on board. And um, even when you've got the CEO on board, you got the, the board that's on board, you got executive leadership that's on board, you may have pockets of resistance um, because it, it requires change. And, and a lot of people are uncomfortable with change. So it just sure. takes a long the, time the person, to get everybody. What's the person, that? The person managing your internal consulting team might not love this. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, that's conflict. So getting everyone on board, that takes time. And that, it never goes away either. You, you Because new people come on board, right? You're constantly bringing in new leaders, new frontline people. So you've got to constantly kind of nurture this and make sure that you're maintaining that alignment and things don't get out of whack. Just like the wheels on your car get out of alignment when you hit a bump in the road. You know, you got to keep aligning internally. Absolutely. Um, do you recommend any tools for developing a successful channel strategy? Is there any, any 
apps or pieces of software or, or tools, what, whatever that you'd recommend? Yeah, there are a lot of channel tools, channel automation tools. Um, and, you know, just like CRM has really transformed sales, you know, took it up to a whole new level with the automation of CRM. The same thing is this for partners. It's called PRM, Partner Relationship Management Tools. And you can do it with your CRM, but it helps to have more customized uh, PRM tools. And there are a lot of different vendors out there that provide these. Um, that's number one, is having that type of tool. Typically, those tools include what's called a partner portal. And the partner portal is like that key site that all the partners come to, to get information, to share information, to register a deal, um, an opportunity that will then get routed to the right sales rep in your company. Um, tied to that, and probably a different system, is the enablement, the online learning. So LMS, learning management systems, most companies, you know, get to a point where they have those for their internal folks, make sure that those are, can be turned on for your partners so that they can access the same education that your own reps and engineers and others can access. Make sure that the system, the platform that you have can, can be turned on for those partners. So that's another key one. Um, marketing automation is another important aspect. So there are a lot of marketing automation tools out there. Um, many are built specifically for the channel and they allow you to do things like um, pass leads to partners, provide uh, marketing campaign kits to partners. They can even run campaigns out of these marketing automation tools. So that's another key one. And then last, I would say, um, leverage your analytics and reporting tools to build those dashboards and reports to track those KPIs that we were talking about. And that's, that's hugely important because it's so time consuming when you're working out of spreadsheets and trying to pull in data from a lot of different sources. Right. So classic, classic BI problem. So it really helps to start having more of a data driven approach as you start growing your channel. And uh, I guess to zoom back, I just love asking this question. What's the greatest sales lesson that you've learned over the years? Man, for me, I, I've always been a channel seller. I've never done direct sales. Well, I take that back. I did it for a short stint and I was horrible at it. I'm, I'm much better on the channel side. <laughs> um, but to be successful in the channel, you've got to be patient, you've got to be persistent, and you've got to be persuasive. So three P's. The three P's. Those are my three P's, Steve. That's All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and what, what do you think that, uh, that every salesperson or specifically uh, sales per channel manager, what, what should they do daily to become more successful? You know, whether you're a channel manager or a sales rep, I think the key thing goes back to what we were talking about. Talk to your partners every day. Don't let a day go by where you're not talking to a partner. And, you know, the, the channel managers have to do that because they're, 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 they're kind of the mother hen of their partners. They got to make sure that they're growing and enabling and provide them advice and consulting. They got to help them with challenges that they're facing. And then the rep, like you said, you were talking to your partners constantly. You were, you were spending time with them. You're getting to know them, strategizing on that next customer call and building up that relationship. It's, it's really hard if you're not talking to them. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, as an actionable take, takeaway, uh, what should the sales leaders listening today do as their very first step towards walking down the path on getting started with uh, developing their channel strategy? Yeah, if, they, if, if you're listening to this and you don't have a channel strategy in your company, you don't have a partner program, 
start talking it up in your company. You know, talk to your sales manager, talk to your uh, chief revenue officer, talk to other leaders in the company, talk to your CEO about the channel um, and, and ways that you can start leveraging it. That, that's really key because that's starting working towards that alignment and buy-in to the channel. Um, and then tell them to listen to this podcast so they can hear about the channel and the benefits of the channel. You know, I, I think that's really key. And then once you start, once you get that in place, we've talked a lot about best practices of, of what you can do. Great. Well, uh, I'm going to attempt to summarize all the goodies you've given us here today. <laughs> um, so uh, to start off with, a, a channel is any way you get your product to your end customer. Yeah. And uh, if you have a product or service that needs some explanation, then there's a very good chance that you'd benefit from selling through a channel. Uh, talk with your customers to understand what are the, the right channels for you to sell through and focus on how your customers buy to figure out who might be the best partners or channels. Yeah. Uh, also look at your competitors and see what channels that they're utilizing. Cause you might, you know, be able to follow their footsteps. You, you gotta, you gotta understand what the company's goals are to figure out what the right channels are. Mm -hmm. And then you can find channels that, that meet these revenue or customer success goals. Two major types of channels are a reseller channel and then a backend commission channel in a resell or distribution channel. You'll offer a discount to these distributors to sell your products either up front or after they've made us made the sale um, in a back-end commission you will co-sell with the partner and then you'll give them a percent of the deal channel managers within a company can go out and find new partners and work with the work out what the relationship looks like with these partners and for this role it's best to hire someone with experience in channel strategy or hire a contractor with experience and bring them in to set things up. A lot of people make the mistake of just, you know, moving a salesperson that's not doing great at sales into this role and telling them to figure it out. But it's, there's, there's complexity here. So that's, it's better to bring in a professional like yep. most things. To measure the success of your channels, you should go back to your initial company goals and ask, how, how many leads has this channel gotten us? How many sales am I getting through this channel or through these partners? And, and do, do remember that it'll take some time for, to, to be able to identify and measure if your channel is, uh, is successful, just like it would take time to spin up a rep, right? To mitigate channel conflict with your internal team, make sure everyone understands the importance of these channels and how it helps the overall selling strategy and this is so important, make the compensation neutral so that there aren't issues with the commissions in that you're, you, you don't want to disincentivize your existing sales team from using the partners because that, that can you know, sink the thing from day one. The channel models that you use might be different based on what industry you're in. Um, different things work for different industries, obviously. And finally, talk with your partners daily or as often as possible if in order to successfully grow your sales through partners, this isn't something that'll just happen on its own. This, this has been really helpful, Rob, where can our listeners read more about your work? How do they reach out to you? 
Well, first off, Steve, congratulations. You're a channel pro. You, you summarize that fantastically. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you get the channel certificate. We actually, we built a channel training program internally that all our sales sellers have to take to learn what you just described. So congratulations. You, you get your certificate of completion. Well, there you go. And I'm gifted and talented program, right? Fast track, <laughs> fast track me to, to my one more certificate. That's what I need. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, thanks. So um, if you want to learn more about the channel, you can go to my podcast, channeljourneys.com and just subscribe to the podcast there or listen to all the past, uh, um, uh, past uh, episodes. And feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. And i uh, happy to connect with you. Well, this has been another great episode of the Outside Sales Talk. Rob, I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and dropping some wisdom on us here. Um, if My pleasure. Anyone, it's been fun. <laughs> it's been great. Uh, if, if anyone can think of any other sales reps who would benefit from learning about what Rob's taught us, uh, you know, share the love and forward this on to them. Uh, and always uh, please leave a rating for the podcast if you find these sorts of things helpful it really helps uh, spread the world in the in the universe of podcasting uh, take care until next time everybody